All right. Good evening to everybody. Um, thank you for for having me. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I had work today, so it's 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 very off of my normal rhythm before I come to preach. It's always on a Sunday morning, and it's always been a nice, calm, relaxing, um, you know, time of getting toddlers ready to go anywhere. Um, so my day at the hospital and a weird surgery department prepared me well, just to put me right at home. Um, but if you want to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, that's where uh, we'll begin and uh, basically be in these first three chapters. And um, we're going to be back and forth, so I'm just asking you to bear with me. Uh, don't despise me for going back and forth a few different times, but um, like, like Luke said, um, you know, I, I am essentially setting the foundation uh, of the problem. And it's, you look at the title of, of my section, Sin and Judgment. And why is this guy still smiling? This is, this is what he, he addresses. Um, but if you're, if you're in Christ, you know why I'm smiling. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm just thankful because we, we've already got to share together in uh, hearing the Word of God, and I think there's great benefit in that alone. Um, but I love a, an author that I, I read and a preacher that I listen to a lot. I've, I've noticed a word he uses a lot, and it's savor. And, and that's something that I hope that you'll do with me tonight as much as possible. Um, I get it. It's real life. It's Friday. Some of you are exhausted from the week that we've had. We are blessed to have little kids in here there's going to be some stuff you miss, okay? That's just, it's okay. Um, but what you pick up is what I hope that you savor. And uh, so my goal, what, what I see my goal tonight is a, as you're looking at this weekend of a, a conference or a focused um, back-to-back look at the gospel, um, it stands on a few different individual truths. And those truths come together as pillars underneath a table and they hold the gospel up. And to me, without the proper first pillar, it's going to crash. And, and I think that that is justified here as we look at, at where... Paul began, but my hope, my goal, if you're, if you're wanting to title this, if you take notes, if you're, you're like, what are you really going to be getting at? It's, it's that you're going to see where the, where the gospel begins for Paul. Where does Paul start when he says, I'm going to the gospel? I'm going to explain this. And understanding that that starting point is vital to getting everything else right past that point. So, with where Paul begins, I think it would be obviously a disservice for us to not at least touch for a moment on what is the book of Romans, because pretty much every talk is going to lead out of one central book, which is the letter of Romans. And it's written to a church in a massive city. It had a million people in it, at least. 
and it was diverse. It's it's everything that Fulton County's not. I mean, we don't have a clue about what it would have been like to live in Rome or to deal with being in a church in Rome. The closest thing is whenever you get on Facebook. It's the closest thing you're going to to come to knowing what it's like to experience life in a church in Rome because like Facebook, it's got tons of different groups of people and differing ideas and differing backgrounds. And it, it, I mean, you just never know where people are at um, on Facebook. And Paul didn't know where people are at in, in Rome. But basically, one of the most helpful things for me as I go to the book of Romans is is not to start with what doctrine do I want to learn about, but seeing that Paul had a church that has a big group of people who are Jews and a big group of people who aren't Jews. And you don't have to know anything about the Bible. And all you need to know about that is that these people don't see eye to eye. One of them is raised completely different. I mean, the same as it is. I mean, we talk about people being born from the south and then people being born in the north or in the city. I mean, we just, everything's different. And that's what I see is on Paul's heart as he writes to them. And a lot of the letter makes even more sense as you read it first understanding that he's got a pastoral goal here. His goal is not just to give them reading material. He didn't have a Friday night gospel conference. Just He had to come up with something. He's writing to them purposefully. And I think one of the main things is he's hoping to bring unity. Okay, He's bringing two different mindsets together underneath the gospel. And and that's that's the first step of unity that he's notching out is what we're going to look at for the next few minutes this evening. Um, And so so one, I mean, he starts out in verse one, he goes all the way down to to 15. And it's a rather long introduction. I mean, Paul usually has an introduction, but this one's a little bit lengthier. But we've kind of read it. And in 16, he, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first. And also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. But then this is where the next thing is, as I I comb through this for the last few days, I just find it so counterintuitive. It's just opposite of what you would expect. I think in today's day and time, as we think about what, you know, how a lot of gospel presentations are made, I mean, he goes back to the beginning. And it's serving for this one main point. So, the first main thing I want to get at is Paul wants to show and he wants to prove every single human is the same distance from God. Every human is the same distance from God. And I'm a why guy, so naturally we're going to say, well, why is that, Paul? And and we'll go from there. But I want to read together verse 18, down a few verses. 
and have that in the back of your mind, this statement, every human being is the same distance from God. Because he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. He, he goes back and he, he doesn't even get so specific. I mean, we know this includes talking about the garden. I mean, we get that. And the Jewish people got that as well. But the, the, I think what Paul is really wanting to set forward here is that, hey... Um, Greek thinkers, look, I don't know where you think the world originated from or where you think the first problem began, but this isn't just a Jewish problem. This isn't just a Greek problem. He, he's just going back to show the key there is 20. And, say, and see, ever since the creation of the world, that's when the problem Began. That's when my greatest issue and your greatest issue, that's where it started, was before you're here, but since the creation of the world, each individual person has ended up at the same exact place because they trade God's truth, they, they trade it in for a lie, which sounds ridiculous, but, but how... How do they do that? What, what it causes them to do is they worship wrongly. Now hear this. Everyone's worshiping something. Worship sounds like kind of like a churchy word. That, that's a Christianese type of a word, worship. But if we think about what worship, true worship really is getting at, um, everybody's doing that. But when you're worshiping something, it's what you love the very most. It's, it's what you are the most willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice, boy, that's a Bible word. But think about that. How much do we sacrifice so that our retirement hits the goal number? I mean, Americans know something about sacrifice. Um, it cracked me up. This is totally off script real quick. But I mean, this is just the... You really don't get how sacrificial people we are until you get around some people who really aren't that into sacrificing stuff. When I went to Haiti, it just blew me away at 
yes, they have a terrible situation. Um, and do not hear me say that they earned it. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, I'm walking around and I'm seeing rubble everywhere. And I'm from, you know, I live in the middle of the country. I don't have to keep my, my yard looking good, but I want it to look good. I want it to have the golf straps. You know, I'm an American. I need it to be neat and clean and put together. And I'm walking around and I'm seeing just trash and dogs and goats and everybody's just like sitting around hanging out. And you know, like the American in me, I was like, well, you know, like I know you're loving the shade and all. I know you're loving the break, but like let's get up and, and work a little bit, you know? Like, let's whip this island into shape. Well, I mean, they have, they're long past. You know, thinking that they're they're going to fix the problems of their government by just working hard for a day, but but what I'm saying is that instinct's just there. To like, it's worth giving up time that we could spend together talking because I need to make a living. It's worth giving up playing down in the floor right now with my kids because because I, I need to do something that's more important. So we're worshiping all the time. And people have been doing this long before you and I came around. People worship, and they worship wrong. They desire stuff, and the problem is it's not God. They're worshiping, and they're sacrificing to created things, created ideas, not the Creator. Um, uh, I heard it best said uh, in a sermon I listened to this week. Um, God, we... We want your stuff. We don't want you. That's the human heart. Stuff is, is everything that's not God. So to act as though God's not really God, and that's what you do when you don't worship Him correctly. When you act like God isn't actually your God, uh, you don't actually owe Him anything, you're not going to worship Him properly, you've sinned. Okay, That is sin, and it's dishonorable. And Paul says, since the creation, since the first humans, all have done this very thing, and they've sinned, and they're not righteous. But as we progress through Romans, what you're going to see is it's kind of like, well, but, but what about the people that they don't know God's rules? Well, how, how does that work? That doesn't seem very fair. Like, okay, yeah, Paul, I... We, we, we went wrong since the creation. We, we went wrong. But, but now that's not fair. Because I mean, how are you supposed to obey if you don't know? What, what about the Native American that didn't hear the gospel? What about the people that aren't getting the gospel in China? What, what about these people? Well, here's the key is to realize that the very first people since the creation, whenever we heard that, they did know the truth. I mean, are we missing that? And what did they do? They, they turned their back to God. So don't miss that this, like, this is actually important. Is their problem a problem that they didn't have enough information? No. They knew God. I mean, if anybody knew God, Adam and Eve knew God. But knowing God and knowing what He was like didn't fix their issue. So the problem's not that 
there's a lack of information in the, in the human heart that, boy, if we could just educate those people enough, if we could just get society running smooth enough that the schools were like they should be and people just knew stuff, they'd know not to go acting a fool. You know, they'd know to love people better. They'd know to work harder and to not be selfish. That, that's what the world, a lot of the world's banking on, is we're going to get people woke enough. We're going to make them understand their racial lenses they're wearing, and that's going to fix them. We're, we're going to get uh, to a point that people will understand how wrong it is to think about women this way and to think about men this way, that we're going to just give us a little more time. That's what evolution says is just a little more time and I can give you a, a way that this will work. Just give me a little more time and I can show you that anything will happen. Humanity wants to say, just, just give me a little more time and we'll fix this. Paul's like, no. They don't, they don't have a problem because they don't know something. Because the truth about God is plain to humans. Um... And, and and he says we see this. Um, they're without excuse. We get that in in twenty as well. Well, just twenty right here. This is this is the meat of it. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. The things you can see. Prove the truth about who you cannot see. Um, I, I can't take personal experience and just make it yours and just make it quick. But I can take personal experience where it just proves the Word of God and hope that it helps you. So here's where I hope that it helps you. This is long before Garrett ever gets saved. Okay, This is long before Garrett ever understands Salvation, sin, redemption, nothing like that. But this is the result of giving little ones the seeds of the Word of God, okay? Because I would have never had this thought if my parents didn't keep me in church listening to this stuff. Okay, I'm sitting in a hay, in a hay bottom, deer season time, best time of the year. Sitting in a hay, hay bottom. My dad's there. I don't think we talked all morning. So he didn't have anything to do with it. I'm sitting there, I'm watching... The, the frost, you know, the frost is turning into dew and then it's just disappearing. I'm just watching the sun come across and I see this doe way on the other side and she's just walking across and it's just like the most pristine, beautiful morning of all time. And it, it was like all at once, this like whoosh, this wave like hits my brain where I have to, I, I realize I'm like, I wonder how many how many times that deer's walked through that field? And I wonder, like, how many deer before her walked through that field? There were deer doing that before I was here. There's been a lot, there's been a lot go on way before me. And it just, it just hit me. The world doesn't exist just now because I'm here. And it's not going to... God's not going away just whenever, whenever I'm gone. It became apparent right there that I'm like, well, what came before that deer? What came before the deer before that? What, like, how far back does this thing go? And my mind's just cracking like an egg and it's dripping out of the tree stand. And I never said anything to dad about it, so I'm sure he didn't know what I was thinking about. But 
Again, that may not help you at all. But what that did to me is begin teaching me this truth. And I know, I, I don't explain it well to you and I'm sorry, but that truth was clear to me as a child one day, I realized. Because the plain, the plain sense, we get it. You don't get this world from nowhere. And you don't get this world with some chaotic, destructive device. You get this beautiful world and all its intricacies from one amazing creator. And that's what Paul's getting at right here. You know you didn't make yourself. And one day, that, that day is going to come when you realize, I didn't make me. My mom and dad made me. Well, who made mom and dad? Who made their mom? Somebody made all of us. But somebody's God. Um, it's so clear to the mind. But then we go further than that and we don't just get that God is there. You watch this world and you see bits and pieces of what God's like through it. I mean, the sun just keeps coming up. And every year, some years more pretty than others, but every year, you know what? I will guarantee that those leaves that are green will turn brown and fall down. It, it, it just keeps going. And then it's like when you're in the dead of winter and it's those coldest days and you broke ice for the last time that you want to for that year, but you know it still doesn't matter because it's going to be cold tomorrow too. You get to that point and you just feel like, I'm never going to be warm again. God, there'll never be a day that I don't dread stepping out of this car. But then your sense hits you and you're like, but you know it will be. There'll be a day. It'll be hot. And the ticks will be here again. It, faithfulness. God is just there showing His, His-ness. His Godness is there in creation. And, and we have another problem because we also know what's morally good and what's morally bad from our conscience. And look at 2.1. It says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Uh, there are some of these things that they, he makes the point a little bit sooner. He makes it again later. I'm just, I, for sake of time, I've got to just pick out some of the most clear ones there. But, but look at that. There is this idea coming out here that if you know enough to point your finger and cry foul at someone else, what does that prove? It proves you know, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. You know what it is to, to mistreat. But then you turn right around and you do these same very things. Our basic conscience can, can make excuses for our evil because that's what we do. Is We excuse what we do because, look, you don't understand. I ask for the number two and I ask for a Dr. Pepper and I said, light ice. And I said it clear. And I said it three times. And it's full. It's full of ice. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but y'all, that's, that's for real. I mean, we get burning righteous indignation sometimes over that. And then, here's the worst part of our conscience, is 
when it does happen, and we say, that's okay, that's okay. And we drive away and we're like, I should have chewed them out, but I didn't. Man, am I good today. I mean, we think we've done something. We think we've done something. Oh, man. Fast food such a blessing to the preacher. It connects us all together. Um, but here's, here's what Paul is, is also saying here. We, we've got to make sure that we don't push the abilities of our conscience too far because your conscience, even though it serves to do the very purpose that the Word of God said, which is prove to you that God is there and prove that morality is there, um, your conscience is warped because we do those things that I just told you about. But it's not able to save us. And so in verse 28 of chapter 1, here, here's part of the history of the human race. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. God didn't push them into sin. God didn't make them sin. It says they, they didn't think it was right, proper. They didn't think it was worth the time to acknowledge God. And so what happens essentially is just this. God lets them go. They're biting at the bit to get to what they ought not get to. But for His wisdom, this was the best thing to happen. I'm turning you over to what you are longing for. Um, and it's not going to end well. All, all of these people that we've talked about so far in time past, what's happening is they're earning the title of un. Righteous. And that just means not good. I mean, righteousness and unrighteousness, I feel like that's pretty basic principles. But, I mean, essentially, it's like, are you God-like or are you not God? So to be unrighteous is to be, you're not like God. And you're not going to be with God. So, Paul's proven here, in this first section of Romans, that the Gentiles... I mean, you can almost see it. It's like the Jewish church, the people in the pews, like on the Jewish side of the building. I don't know which side is the Jewish side, so we'll just say it's this one. You know, they're kind of like, y'all hearing this? Y'all hearing how terrible y'all are? you just out there after all your passions with no discipline, no guidelines, no diet. I mean, man. Just listen to Paul. He'll tell you everything you need. So that brings about, well, what about the Jews now? What about the Jews, Paul? What about people who did follow God's rules? Because these people, they're just drifting off into madness. They're not following any rules except the sin. But what about these hardworking folks that are abiding by the law? Okay, big statement. No one is justified by the Mosaic Law. Or you could say the Old Testament Law. Or we can just say the Old Testament. However specific you want to get. No one. It means that 
even though Moses and a lot of other Old Testament prophets wrote down the words of God and they explained what definitely wrong behavior is and what definitely good behavior is. They clearly did that. But they're still guilty. So, so what's going on here? You, clearly just being born and being a human is not enough to find righteousness. But now we're getting to some real sticky ground where being a Jew and having the very law of God's not not quite cutting it now. Okay, so think about this. If you're driving home from work, um, and if you're on 62 Highway, you've thought the very same thing as me. Don't act like you haven't whenever I get done telling the story. Because um, I don't know what it is, but something happens. When you're on two lane, you drive 54 miles an hour. But whenever you get to the passing zone, you drive 97. <laughs> and, and so here's what happens. You're... You're trying to get to your beautiful children or you're trying to get to the Ozarks Bible Church for the, for the gospel conference and you get to your passing zone and then it, there's Dale Earnhardt Jr. out of nowhere and floors it. Even though he was just like running the... Pa- I don't know what he was doing. He was in the pits and then now he's, he's running wide open and we get back to the two lane and he's in the pits again. And so what you're thinking is, I'll, I'll drive up beside them and I'll shoot that person and then I'll, I'll just drive on home. But here's the deal. If you, if you drive past them and you, and you shoot and kill somebody on the way home and then you get home, but you go cook your elderly neighbor dinner and then you loving, you are like super dad and you give your kids the best good night, tuck in and kiss and all that good stuff the best thing ever here's the question are you, are you still guilty of murdering Dale Earnhardt Jr? yeah of course you are <laughs> yeah no one's forgetting that but y'all like I mean we're laughing but this is the reality of how so many I'm not going to say all but so many of the Jewish people misunderstood what it was to be God's people, what it was to have the Word of God. And most especially, the focus is how to be righteous. They greatly misunderstood that. Doing a lot of good stuff doesn't erase your guilt. The Jewish people didn't understand this. A lot of modern Christianity doesn't understand this. And whatever the Today Show or whatever that weird show me and Chelsea watched the other day was, what is that show that plays all the, the Today Show? Well, they don't understand this either. They're crazy. But um, I said this is 225, so I hope that it is. I hope that I was right. Let's go to 225. Paul says, for circumcision, time out. All, all you need to know about this, it's an outward physical sign that just says, hey, we're part of the people of God. We're Jewish people. So it's just, it's just doing the tradition thing. Now we're back in. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So time out. Your sign and symbol and confidence that you are right with God, it becomes you're a pagan. It becomes no way Jose. Uh, 
I mean, this is, this is a big deal to them. He says, if... Well, we'll, just, we'll, we'll, we'll move on for now. Proves the point. 3.11. Flip over, or you may not have to. You may just be looking at it. But chapter 3, verse 11. Do you, do you see this section? In mine, it's set up as, as a little poetry. It's set up, and, and that's because most of all this comes from the Psalms. Some of it comes from Isaiah. The Old Testament says, None's righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the Old Testament talking about the Old Testament people. And why do I say that? Because what verse 19 says. Because Paul says, Now we know that whatever the law and the Old Testament law is what we just read. All those horrible things. We know that the law speaks to those who are under the law. Who is under the law? The Jewish people. The people of God. And it says, So that every mouth may be stopped. And the whole world may be held accountable to God. No one's righteous. The Gentiles are unrighteous. Why? Because they, they just live out and do unrighteousness. They just can't help but sin. But then he whirls on the other side and then proves uh, no one doing the Old Testament law is righteous either, just so you know, because the Old Testament law just told us how horrific... The people, and we the people, of the Old Testament law. Well, how we are. Okay, you remember the part I said at the beginning. Paul's unifying, okay? He's got two groups of people, two different ideas about the origins and where, where they lay in the history of God's plan. None of that matters to him. What he wants them to do is think right. And so he's... he's Making sure you guys that are Greeks who don't know anything about the Bible, you don't know the disciples' names, you don't know the tribes of Israel, that's, 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 that doesn't matter because you're unrighteous. And he says to the people who have went to temple and they went every Saturday and their parents were strict and they were strict and they've done all that and they're proud of what they've done and he's saying, you know what, but you guys aren't righteous either. And he, he's writing, remember, he's writing to people who are supposedly Christians. This is part of what he's already touched on. But we, we never get past this. We never get past the gospel. You don't, get, you don't get the gospel so that you can get saved, so that you can move on to this deep, wild, spiritual life. 
the day that the gospel doesn't become enough, you're out of it. You've gone off. It's never the thing that we, we get our training wheels and then we say, take them off. Like, no, we plead and we beg, don't ever let me forget. It's the starting point, y'all. This, this is the starting point, is that we, and that means Abraham Lincoln, who's not here to defend himself, and it means whoever is coming after I'm dead, we all, if you're a human being, you are facing God's wrath. That's the beginning of the gospel for Paul. The best summary statements that I can find here is 2 verse 12. So go there with me. And he says, For all who have sinned without the law. So this is those people who, those poor people, that they didn't even know what they were supposed to do. No, he says, All who have sinned without the law also perish without the law. Where they end, they perish. And he says, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. I, I mean, someone has got to be there listening to the letter and keeps wanting to kind of like raise their hand and like finally just come back. Hey, hey, guy that's reading the letter, like, uh, like I'm confused because neither path works. Um, Maybe we should write Paul back. Man, I mean, you've got to give us one path. You've got to give us something that'll work because this is the best we've got. All sinned. You're perishing, period. You're judged, period. Doesn't matter which background you're coming from. That's the point that Paul's making. And look at 3 verse 9. It says, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. I want you to savor for a second. All people, men and women, you and me, preachers, regular people, drug dealers, all people are under. That's an oppressive word. That's kind of a heavy word. We're sitting underneath sin. If you're under something, you usually want to get free of it. And Paul's shown that getting to the law doesn't free you. Um, like I've... My fear is that you're like you're hearing my words, but it's just not hitting your heart yet. Um, let me put it like this: If you don't get anything else from me tonight, I would say the biggest point that I see in Romans one, two, and three is the reason people go to hell is not because they reject Jesus. Okay, listen. The reason that people go to hell is not. Because they reject Jesus. They don't, they don't have to hear the gospel to be condemned. So we, I hear that question a lot brought up about well, what about so-and-so that doesn't hear in Amazon? What, what about so-and-so? So that's, I, I can't get into that. 
I trust the sovereign providence of the Lord that He is just and good and He will do what is just and good. The point I have to, to make is to know the things that I can know right here that are plain Jane in the text. You, you don't have to hear the gospel to be condemned. If you're a human and you can make a moral choice, it's over. That's all it took. You didn't have to hear anything. You didn't need to know anything else. If you're a human and you're breathing and you can make a conscious decision, you're, you're not going to be righteous when God judges you. End of story for every human being per the Word of God. You instinctively sin. We have earned one thing with that. He says, you're, look at 2.5. 2 verse 5 says, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, and look, he's been talking about all these people of like old time history and stuff, but he turns and, and it has everything to do with today. So this is just as much, when I say you, I mean you right now and me right now. You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You know what wrath is? You know what wrath looks like? How do you want, how do you want to face that wrath coming out of God? And, and there's nothing impure about His wrath. He should. It'd be like if you're sitting here and you're holding me back, like if three people are holding me and you're hurting my child and I can't get to you, but I'm waiting to, you're going to see wrath building. And, and here's the misunderstanding that we get through culture, and it's not new because I, I see it right here as Paul tells it because he has to, he has to get to this point. Like, hey guys, um, yes, I've said... Everyone's condemned. Everyone's facing the wrath. There, there's no way to get in. And when they plead the case of like, well, we just didn't know. Like, what about the people? There's not enough rules. They, they just don't know. What Paul's getting at is like, then you're, you don't understand the goodness and the mercy and the patience of God because the patience and mercy of God is not that He says, Oh, now we'll just let that sin come on and we'll just get him in. It'll be all right. That's not the patience of God. The patience of God is that you're allowed to continue living. He says, do you not understand that the kindness and goodness of God is there for you to repent? You're given time to come to Christ. That's God's patience and goodness. Not that he quits being God for a second and will just let anything walk through the door. That's not it. Y'all, the beginning of the gospel is that we have to be saved from God. And I, I think way, way too often we, we don't start here and we don't hear it preached here. And that sounds, that sounds mean. You've got to be saved from God. Yes, you do. Why? Because God's not me and you. He doesn't have a twisted conscience. He is perfectly good. And you know what? You know why I can smile while I was coming in here to preach on sin and judgment? It's because of it is of God's power. But I'm told in the very first section we read there, as he introduced why he's not ashamed, and it's because 
the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the only way that God can hold his wrath back from anyone. And while I want to go so much further into all of exactly why that happens, that's the point of this weekend. But we don't want to run out from underneath this too quick. Because if we sit in churches, we sit next to family members, and their idea of the gospel is that it's going to help you, you can, you can get free from yourself. You can overcome your shortcomings as a person. It'll give you meaning in life. If the gospel is starting with that it's just, it's just the little fix that you need. It's just the little bit that you're missing. If it doesn't start with you understanding how greatly good God is and how greatly terrible you are, then nothing good's going to come from that because that's not the gospel. The gospel sits on this pillar, which is everyone's sitting underneath this. We need to be saved from God. And here's the wonderful, great part. It is the gospel that He's given us. And we're going to learn about how to be righteous because that is what... I mean, He's baiting us. One, two, and the first part of chapter three is just one big bait where He keeps saying this word... Righteous, 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 where you're looking for it and you're looking, how do I get there? How do I get there? You don't, but Christ is and did, and He is the answer. That's where we'll be going. That's where um, I'm excited to see it, to see it go. I, I mean, Christians, we're some weird folks because we can be... We can be reminded for a lot of you, I hope for everybody here, you are born again. And this is a reminder of the truth that set your heart on fire for the love of God and the love of Christ. If it's not, we're, we're, we'll stay here. We'll talk. Let's figure it out um, if you have further questions about it. But as Christians, if you're in the body and in the kingdom now, I love that God is so great in His goodness that, that no one's good enough. Because when I get there, I cannot imagine how great it's going to be to have Him ruling. I'm, I'm over presidents. I'm over kings. I had enough history to get that I don't want a king either. I'm over bad bosses. You know, we're worn out in this world with men ruling. And I mean men, I mean just people. You know, that, that's, that's the goodness here. Is This is not some religious experience where you make God whatever it wants to be. No, God is God. On His terms, His terms alone. We are here. We have the evidences of the creation around us. We have the evidence of a moral conscience within us. And y'all, it's all pointing us to recognize the good God that is there waiting to embrace you in the gospel of Christ, which is His death traded for yours.
Let's close in prayer together. Uh, Father, I thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I hope that uh, we have been helped here this evening uh, looking at Your Word, seeing the truth um, that we are not going to be pulled off track by the enemy or pop theology. Lord, we know by ourselves we clearly have one path and one destiny, but I am just as certain, as terrible as my heart and mind is, I am in Christ and therefore you see Him and I will be welcomed to the kingdom. And I pray that be that be known in every heart and mind here tonight. I ask for you to comfort those who are yours and I pray you to Bring new sheep into the fold. In the name of Christ, amen.